Hello and welcome to the For the Win podcast. I'm Ted Berg, joined on the line by my producer, Hamil Javeri. We've got a lot to talk about. We're going to cover some NCAA tournaments, some spring training baseball, but we've got a very exciting interview this week, so Hamill, set it up. Uh, I got a chance to chat with Steph Curry briefly. Um, he is he was doing a little bit of press for uh, Degree 360, and we talked about you know his take on his brother Seth Curry, who's doing really well, uh, what the rest of the family's been up to, and who he thinks is going to be the NBA MVP. Well, let's check out. Hey, Steph, how are you? Hey, doing great. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for joining me today. Um, so first of all, let's just talk a little bit about Degree and what you're doing with them. Yeah, I've been partnering with Degree for a while, and um, you know, most recently we filmed a uh, 360-degree video that covers you, the viewer, on the court with me as I'm doing my moves and some of my signature moves that I, you know, I, I try out in games. So it kind of gives you a different perspective uh, of what it's like to be out there on the floor with me. Um, and you can go to youtube.com slash DegreeMen to check out that footage. Uh, so, what is that like for you, being out on the court and doing all your moves? Um, one thing I've heard is that players at the start of the season kind of have goals set up for themselves. Uh, with this season, have you had to adjust to any of your goals, like personal things that you might have had in mind? Not really. I mean, you have a, you develop a certain, um, like you, I guess you call it goals of how you want to play, uh, things that you yeah. maybe want to add to your game from year to year. Uh, mm -hmm. For me, I don't necessarily put statistical goals on myself as you don't know how the season's going to play out, what you necessarily need to do to help your team win. That kind of, uh, you know, for me, plays itself out as long as I'm in the right frame of mind and aggressive when I go out and play every day. But, you know, from season to season, you want to get better, obviously. That's the that's the plan. So, you know, trying to add um, whether it's a different, you know, combination move or a shot from a different place on the floor how I see the game, just getting smarter as a player. That's uh, those are the goals I'd, I'd like to set. Awesome. Uh, switching gears for a little bit, uh, your brother is actually playing really well right now. Uh, what has that been like for you to see him succeed after all the hard work that he's done? I mean, obviously, he's just super proud of what he's been able to accomplish, and know it's only going to continue. Um, you know, he, he all he needed was an opportunity, and he's taken and ran and run with it. So. Um, Dallas, you know, they got a gem when they signed him this past summer, and and uh, he's obviously proven he's an, an NBA player and deserves to be on this league, which we all we all knew. But what he's been able to do this year as a starter, and um, you know, they're they're chasing that eighth eighth spot. Uh, he has a huge impact on that. So just really, uh, he's he's in, he's just I'd say impressed me, but you know. Taking uh, taking his game to the to the extreme next level. That's awesome. Um, and to be on the theme with your family, your family's in the spotlight a lot right now. Your wife has a Food Network show. Has that changed your life at all? Like, has that been weird for you to have cameras in the house? No. Um, she's uh, obviously extremely talented um, you know, as a chef, and to be able to bring her personality to, to uh, her fans and, and people that. She wants to obviously, you know, help learn how to cook. I think she's done a great job, and uh, we don't have cameras in our house that often. The way that they film, it's pretty, pretty efficient. But um, it's kind of, it's kind of cool to just see how her her career's taken off, and um, I'm trying to keep up with her, which is, which is, uh, I like that. Uh, 
<laughs> That's awesome. Uh, your kids also are, you know, celebrities. Um, and in this age of social media, have you decided to pull back at all about how you use them on social media? Are you aware of that? Just for context, I saw a while ago, um, like ESPN took something off of your wife's Snapchat and like posted it on air. Is that, you know, are you, you know, does that stuff kind of bother you? Or are you okay with it? Um, well, for for Riley, how it started was kind of uncomfortable, I think, because as any parent, you know, you want to be able to share what you do um, for a living and kind of the environment with your child. Um, and it kind of took us by surprise how um, viral she got as a, um, you know, blasting her all, all over whatever, you know, uh, outlet it was. But as we've got a got a little smarter as parents the last couple of years just wanted like you say i guess definitely pull back a little bit as to how much she's exposed to and let her try to be a, as normal of a four-year-old as possible um we obviously want to share you know parts of our life and and uh kind of live life and have fun as we go through and not have to worry about those things mm -hmm. but you kind of definitely have to be aware of, um you know, try to protect, you know, their childhood just like my parents did for me as my dad played in the NBA for a very long time. So it's nice to have that example of how to do it. Uh, speaking of your dad, I would be remiss if I didn't mention this, but we talked to him a couple of weeks ago, and he wanted to know when he was getting a grandson. <laughs> <laughs> I got put too much pressure on him. I told him, uh, you know, he's got two beautiful uh, granddaughters right now. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, uh, so right now, um, uh, I know that your name isn't really at the top of the list for the NBA MVP uh, thing. Has that, is that comfortable for you? Are you, like, is that something that you think about when you're playing in the season? No, I never did, you know, even the last years when I won. I, you, you obviously want to play your best every single night and right. help, like, you know, winning is, is the most important and it puts you in a, in a position to not only be successful as a team, but individual accolades kind of come out of that. But that was never really the motivation or the, or the goal per se. I, you know, I got to win MVP this year. It was just, let's play well, you know, push myself to another level and see what happens. Same thing for this year. Um, probably not going to win the MVP this year. Um, there's still, you know, a huge you know, opportunity in front of myself and my team to to win a championship and if uh, we can realize that goal which is obviously the most important um, you know I, I, I could at the end of the season say I did my job. That's awesome and who do you think uh, is the NBA MVP right now? Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I mean there's plenty of guys that are obviously well deserving you can talk about James and Russ and LeBron uh, you know even KD before he got hurt there's there's guys that are playing him amazing. Uh, you can even feel Isaiah mm -hmm. Thomas, you know, in Boston, just what he's been able to do this season, helping his team, you know, climb the ladder. So uh, I don't think you can make a wrong decision in that, in, in out of that group. Um, you know, there's, there's you know, amazingly talented players and, and uh, who are having a great season. All right, my final question for you. Uh, March Madness, obviously, do you have uh, your final four picks? Have you had a chance to think about that at all? I, I haven't really. I was hoping my Davidson Wildcats would get in there, but uh, I have to look at the bracket and kind of fill it out uh, before, what, I guess, before tomorrow with the playing games. But, uh, yeah, yeah to, be, to be continued on that one. To be continued. 
Thanks so much for joining us, Steph. Really appreciate no it. So yeah, that was Steph Curry. Um, I, we... am, <laughs> I am tempted to say, so like we're going to go in and do our favorite things, which is the tradition here, but I'm tempted to make it that you managed to get Steph Curry on this podcast. Uh, so I will say that Steph, I've talked to him a couple of times, like just generally at NBA All-Star Weekend and stuff like that. But my friend. Well, he is really close to being my best friend. Um, but my favorite memory of Steph Curry is like a couple of years ago, like right before he blew up, we were at the NBA All-Star Game. And he and LeBron James were like leading a clinic for, for kids in New York. And the press had just like mobbed LeBron, right? Like everybody just had like cell phones in his face, like trying to get pictures. And Steph was just out there having a great time with the kids because, you know, it was LeBron versus Steph. And this was like, like I said, like Steph was a great player, but he just hadn't like, he hadn't um, permeated like the national consciousness quite yet. This was like right before uh, the Warriors got big. So it was, he's just a normal dude and really fun and easy to talk to. It's nice to see guys in those settings when it seems like they're genuine, especially when because oh, yeah. I've seen I've seen a lot of like sort of staged, and I, I don't want to like I I'm, I wouldn't mention anybody in particular, but like events where it seems like it's mm -hmm. like sort of staged humanitarianism, you know? Yeah. And then I've also seen times when the guy, the especially you know in, in our job, it's always an athlete. When the athlete does mm -hmm. really seem like he's earnestly trying to give back to the community and help the kids and all that stuff, and it's it's a tough thing to really like talk about or write about because you can't say, well, believe me, David Wright is legit in this stuff, which he is, without <laughs> yeah. then suggesting that other guys aren't. But there yeah. there are the type who seem like, okay, this is a real person. Like for all the stardom, for all everything he's achieved, this guy remains at least vaguely grounded. Yeah, and in, and nothing to, and that wasn't, I didn't mean to knock LeBron, because honestly, I think in that particular instance, the press was the problem, because, you know, right, it's not we're, we can He's be the worst, not. right? Right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he, and you could tell, like, even the look on LeBron's face, like, he would have given anything just to be, like, be able to hang out with those kids and teach them how to shoot hoops and play ball with them without having a... 18 million people trying to get pictures of him and the kids. Um, so I don't fault LeBron at all, but both those guys were genuine, but I totally know what you're saying because there's just something different, right? They weren't really phoning it in. They were really engaged. Um, yeah, not to take away from other athletes, but Steph seems, you know, he was he was just having a really fun time and wanted to stay longer, so. I also want to mention before we go on that I believe it is truly ironic that we mm -hmm. might have an anti-perspirant themed, uh, themed interview on this podcast, and I wouldn't be the one doing it, just because <laughs> you've seen, uh, I think, how I am in the summer. <laughs> you, you're a big sweater. You, you really sweat a lot. I sweat fair. I, I pretty much starting in like early May through mid-September. I'm just sweaty. That's just it. Like there, it's, so it, there's no, um, there's no real way. Anytime I'm in Florida, there's like just like any number of things. If I go to the gym in the morning, then I just sweat for the rest of the day. That's it. <laughs> That's really funny to me. Um, and I'm not, you know, making fun of your your sweatiness, yeah, you but can I make think. You make fun of my sweatiness. It's gross. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I, I don't know. I just think that whenever we, so when we do our meetings, we have Google Hangouts, and Ted in the summertime always has like a healthy glow about him. <laughs> um, well, I sort of like secrete my own oils too. Like I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm shiny and sweaty. It was always a big problem doing like doing video stuff that like. That, uh, not not for USA Today because we don't use like a proper studio really, but yeah. uh, at SNY they're just super bright lights on you, and it wasn't like the type of videos where you're supposed to wear makeup, but they'd be like, you kind of have to wear makeup because <laughs> you're going to be glimmering with sweat. Um, it's embarrassing. It's, it's, it's what it is. You know what? Like at this point, I'm married. I don't really care. My wife is, yeah. has made peace with the fact that I'm just going to sweat all the time. So we're good with it. It's just, it's just, just part of life. Big, sweaty lump sitting next to her on the couch. I have had, like, I, one time I came into uh, a job at my, old, at my old job, and I came into work, and I had rode my bike to, to work, and the receptionist, who was a very sweet woman, was just like, hey, is it raining outside? <laughs> and, I, and it was like, cre like, be, like, not a cloud in the sky, and it's like, I have no idea how to answer this question right now. Like, uh, that's no, so that's funny. just me. Nope, I'm just super sweaty. <laughs> All right, let's not talk about this anymore. All right. And get on to some of our favorite things, and I'll start. And it's a big one this week. It's topical, and I'm kind, mm -hmm. of, I'm kind of a hater, but I think that one of my favorite things about this part of March is listening to how dumb people sound when they try <laughs> to tell you that they are experts on the NCAA tournament. You're not an expert on the NCAA tournament. Everybody becomes aware of these teams. It's like, oh, now I know about SMU yeah. and I know about New Mexico State and I know about, you know, whatever, like, mid-major clubs that, like, everybody gets psyched about around this time. And it feels like every single person tries to pass it off as if they really know what they're talking about when there is no chance you know what you're talking about. Maybe <laughs> unless, you know. unless you actually went to the school, you don't know anything. <laughs> right, like I was going to say, like maybe you know one conference, right? If you follow right. this conference, or look, and if you're, if you're like Nicole Auerbach or someone who this is your job and this is what you do all year long, yeah, I believe you, right? And, and, right. and, and not even just necessarily a, a reporter, but someone who is like a, a thoroughly dedicated and invested season-long college basketball not just fan, but like uh, diehard, that you're watching all of these games constantly. But even then, I think there's a really good chance you haven't seen many or even most of the potential upset teams in the tournament. And if you're just some guy that I know, and I know you're not watching college basketball every day, I am never going to listen to your take on like why some number 11, team, number 11 seed is going to make a deep run. You don't know what you're talking about. And so I find it entertaining because it's, it's like one of these things where, uh, like, like the Emperor's New Clothes and, and the NFL Draft, where everybody just mm -hmm. sort of says, like, oh, yeah, this is the thing. And it's, but everybody's just sort of repeating everything else they heard. And it's just this dumb echo chamber of uninformed uh, sports well, what is it? What is it about March Madness that brings that out in people, well, I wonder? Because there's a, because, well, there are a specific set of, like, uh, you know, when it becomes playoff time and guys that have never watched hockey the entire season will know, suddenly know everything. Is it just, like, a need for these dudes, or is it something specific that has to do with March Madness? Uh, I think that probably is just the, like, 
the pervasiveness of March Madness. Like literally yeah. every office does a pool, right? I've never right. been involved. I've never had a workplace where there wasn't some sort of March Madness pool. And I've also never had a workplace where the person you would expect to win the March Madness pool is the person who wins the March Madness pool. It's just, <laughs> uh, you, you win because you get lucky. And I wrote about this, but you, that's how you win. I won last year in our For the Win, and, and I'm still lording it over people. I won in our For the Win bracket because, <laughs> with a bunch of people who are claiming to be experts and me who, like, I watch Georgetown basketball. They do not do not factor in the NCAA tournament right about now. And yet I still won based on my system of complete blind guesswork. <laughs> well, that's the wonderful thing about March Madness, though, is that it's such a crapshoot. It's all about randomness. Um, right, and, and that's what fun. makes it and so like, fun. And that's the thing, is, is it's, not, yeah. it's not unfun. Right, yeah. it's certainly awesome to watch, and like I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be in spring training for most of it, but I will watch certainly portions of many games, mostly probably alongside Major League Baseball players <laughs> in clubhouses. But uh, it, it, it's not like a, I'm. I think the whole thing is dumb. I think the thing is one of the best events in sports. I just think it brings out the dumbest in sort of every casual sports fan. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with you on that. Um, I have a friend who seriously thinks that she is going to win. Um, who is it, Berkshire Hathaway? Uh, they're giving away a million dollars if you get, like, a perfect March Madness bracket. The chances of getting a perfect March Madness bracket are something like one in, like, a six billion or something, right? It's just not going to happen. Yeah, like, it's just not going to happen. And she seriously was asking for advice over over dinner over the weekend where she's like, well, you work in sports. Can you help me? I'm like, <laughs> I, I literally <laughs> throw yeah, darts, of course I can. and it would I, be just as good. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, it's just, yeah. Uh, I mean, it would be cool if someone happen. did that. It would be cool if someone did that, but it would also be incredibly lucky. It wouldn't be that this person just knew more about college basketball. Yeah, I was like, I wish it was that easy. Got extremely lucky. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and and again, like you know, as, as lucky as you'd be if you hit Powerball. <laughs> um, all right, what's your next thing? Well, it's your it's your turn. Oh, it's my turn. Sorry, yeah, we go back I'm... and forth. We go back and forth. Okay, this is you... this is my first time doing this. I know this it's it's weird to me because you're on all of the Q and A shows and you're never on this one. So this is a new I thing. Also... I'm sorry. I, I will be more patient. I also have tipped my hand because then I obviously have not been listening to the ones that I'm not on. <laughs> yeah, some producer you turned out to be, but that's I'm cool. the worst producer. Uh, I was going to say one of my favorite things happened last night, um, sports-related. Brad Marchand from the Boston Bruins tied Sidney Crosby for the lead in goals in the NHL, which I know if you don't follow hockey, you might just be like, I threw a bunch of names at you, and they well, don't mean no. anything. I know Sidney Crosby. I think everybody knows Sidney Crosby. Like, yeah, everybody, everybody knows Sidney Crosby. Even if you don't know his game, I think you know his reputation as like one of the foremost hockey guys who, for some reason, people kind of bash on in hockey, right? Is that fair? Yeah, it is fair, and this is probably my one and two favorite things, even though I know we're supposed to be going back-to-back. -back. Um, the, I, I, I kind of just love it because, you know, everybody likes to bash on Sidney Crosby, but Brad Marchand does not have a, you know, he has a reputation as being kind of an agitator. I don't really want to even say dirty player because I don't think he's that much of a dirty player. Um, but let's just say he's not noted for his skills like Sidney Crosby is. Um, and the fact that he's up there, like he tied Crosby for, for the lead in goals with about a month left in the season is pretty great just because it's a, it's not really even comeuppance for Sydney because they're both doing well. Uh, but I like that 
you know, he's challenging the establishment a little bit. Why does Sidney Crosby need comeuppance? Explain that to me. I see. Okay, so this was my se so. Can I can I go right into my second favorite Absolutely. thing? We're, right. we're shaking up the whole format right now. We're just, yeah, we're shaking it all up today. So part of that is because the other thing that happened uh, probably a couple of days ago, and this is this is minor, like we were talking about, um, you know how we were just saying with Steph, like you can sometimes tell when an athlete is really into it when they do something nice for somebody else. So Sidney Crosby visited, um, had a sick fan come to his hotel suite uh, while he was playing, while the Penguins were in Vancouver. So it's a Canadian fan and you know this little boy is battling brain tumors and he really wanted to meet Sidney Crosby so Crosby spent like an hour with him. Now both of these tie together because why it reminds me that I think Sidney Crosby is one of those players that actually like likes that kind of stuff, right? Every time I've seen him do stuff like that or seen him interact with fans, he's always been really genuine. So part of me just does not understand the Sidney Crosby hate that's out there, right? Like he, you know, everybody's making a big deal out of this like Brad Marchand thing because I'm happy for Marchand. Like I think that's great. It's not so much, um, and I think it's nice that he's he's a guy that kind of deserves a little bit more attention than he gets. So in that sense, that's all good. Uh, but the other thing is that you know, everybody loves to pick on Crosby, and I'm like, I don't know. I feel like he's a good guy. He's boring, and uh, he plays the game really solidly. Like, he's backed a lot off on the whining um, and stuff like that. So I don't know if... Uh, I, I feel like his reputation, like you just said, of, like, a guy who deserves comeuppance is fans just not liking the fact that he's so good. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what you, you got to give us a little more context, I think, for non-hockey fans, which is by mm. by which I mean me. And, and so, okay. uh, tell me about because I know I know Crosby. I remember Crosby as like an amateur player was like, "Here's the chosen one. This is the next Gretzky or whatever." Like, you know, no. Yeah. I mean, like basically like the LeBron of hockey. Is that is right. that fair? So, where did the whining come in? So the whining is a couple of years ago. Uh, there was a instance in. I think it was I think it was against the Capitals actually where Alex Ovechkin scored a hat trick but I think it was I can't remember if it was the, oh it was in um in the Verizon Center Ovechkin scored a hat trick and Sidney Crosby like complained to the refs that the fans were throwing too many hats on the ice like instances oh, like oh, yeah oh no, that's bad yeah it was you know he was just like talking to the refs and he's like can you tell them to stop throwing hats that's you the know, whole, little, that's like the whole reason you go to a hockey game yeah, like it's not a good look on him, right? And before that, there would be instances where he would also kind of complain to the refs that, um, you know, he he had been hit too hard or something like that or argue for a call to go in his favor. Um, and I think a lot of that has really kind of eased up. And he's by far, you know, at this point, he's been in the league <clears throat> for like, I think almost 10 years, right? And a little bit of that is like growing pains. So... That's where the whining comes in. That particular instance sticks out in my mind. Well, and I think also when someone, like this is sort of the case with Bryce Harper, is like when someone is so much tapped for superstardom, mm -hmm. I think a lot of, especially like their peers in the sport, sort of root against them a little bit. Like I think that a lot of baseball players who have never met Bryce Harper really don't mm -hmm. like Bryce Harper just because he's the famous guy and just because he's yeah. been the famous guy since he was 19 before he really like quote-unquote paid his dues in baseball which is something mm -hmm. they're all really into and definitely seems like a big part of the hockey culture as well yeah that's that's definitely true and Marshawn you know is 
So I talked to Marchand um, at the NHL All-Star Game in L.A., and uh, a lot of these players, their, their on-court persona or their on-ice persona is different than kind of what you get in person. And Marchand is, you would call it fearlessness, but he's very much is known for just his big, aggressive hits. Like, he's just a really physical player, even though he's a really good left wing. Um, and I think that's where a little bit of this tension comes into, is that fans kind of feel that Crosby gets too much credit for the stuff that he does well, where other players who, you know, might be a little bit more physical, take a few more risks on the ice, don't get enough credit. So Marshawn sounds like the type of guy that, like, the old school gritty hockey fans can appreciate. Yeah, but with, you know, but he's super skilled, too. Like, right. and it's hard for people to admit that because they want all the skilled players to be like, the Jonathan Taves and the Sidney Crosby's, where they aren't—they're physical, but you know they don't—they're not like participating in yeah. old school like. They're not laying out a, hockey yeah. exactly. Yeah, they're not laying out their opponents with big hits. So those are my those are my two favorite things. They kind of, uh, I guess, coincide, conflict with each other. Like uh, I know you guys. Like it's great that Marchand is leading with Crosby for for goals, but I still, you know, I'm like I don't know. I don't think Crosby's that bad of a dude. Uh, I want to get to to mine uh, again in a second, but I just want to follow up on one thing that you brought up, and and this is sort of a part of hockey culture I don't know well enough. I know that you throw hats on the ice when a guy scores three goals, right? I get a hat trick. Yeah. Yeah. Have you have you ever do, have you ever done that? Have you ever thrown a hat on uh, to the rink? No, but that's we. So we talked about this earlier, but that's because I don't wear hats because I look terrible in hats. <laughs> okay, but. But who, where do the hats come from? Like, do you just, because I feel like I've seen, like, pretty nice hats thrown onto yeah. the ice. Why, like, that's like, that's like 25 bucks, right? Like, yeah. People just throw, yeah, the, the hats come from people wearing their hats who apparently are going to give up their favorite hat because they're, you know, because a player on their team scored a hat trick. So that's like, the, it's like a trade-off. Like, well, I got to see yep. three goals, so... Let's yep. throw, I'll just give up this fairly nice hat that fits. Because I find, like, I, and I, I also don't wear hats very often outside of when I'm, like, playing baseball, right? But mm -hmm. I have an oddly shaped head, and so it's very hard for me to find a hat that fits well and looks good. <laughs> so if I was wearing a hat outside, if I was wearing a hat to a, to a hockey game, that's going to be a good hat, right? Like, that's a hat that I have yeah. been searching for for years. I'm just not giving that up, even if a guy on my team scores three goals. Now, technically, they're supposed to, you're supposed to be able to get your hat back. The, the rink will collect them all and kind of leave them in a huge pile somewhere in the arena so Wait, you should feel no free. Idea. I had no idea. Yeah. That was a thing. Some, some places definitely do that. There's just like a giant bin where fans can try to go look for, for their hats. Wait, so you can get um, a free hat then if, you, if you're really sly, right? You can yeah. go get a free hat. I know, but that's just, that's not ethical, man. It's that's dishonest. Like, it's super dishonest. What if it's like, the hat that their your dad gave you, or it's got some kind of then sentimental don't throw it value. Don't the ice, though, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. I guess it's a trade-off. Uh, that being said, I'm too cheap. I would not throw a hat on the ice because that's like thirty bucks. Yeah, you already paid for a ticket. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's, I think it's cool. Like, I think that's a cool. Like, it would be so cool if, and I imagine if a Blue Jays guy did it, it would happen. But like, if a baseball guy hit three home runs, which is Probably rarer than a, a hat, certainly rarer than a hat trick in hockey. But if a baseball game three hit home runs, everybody threw their hats on the field. Like that's cool, that's great. But just like, don't look at me to give up my hat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm glad that you guys want to get rid of that hat, but I'm keeping mine. Yeah, and I might, if you care so little about maintaining your hat, I might come take your hat after the game. 
if it's available. Well, so you also, I know you're not a runner, right? Not at all. Because runners do this too. Not that they throw their hats off, but you'll find that before races, uh, you know, runners will have their sweatshirts and stuff on to stay warm, but then they'll start stripping off layers and just throw them on the side of the route. So at the end of the race, there's just like tons of sweatshirts that people have to go back and collect. And, uh, you know, you can either go look for it or you're just kind of giving that up. It's that, see, that's a little gross. Uh, I mean, I guess the hat thing is pretty gross too because people's he heads sweat a lot. Yeah. But like... I don't want a runner's used sweatshirt. Hey, you can wash it. I can wash it. You can wash it. All right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm, yeah. I'm not the, I'm, I guess I'm a little, I'm not squeamish about many things. It's just kind of like gross to me to be wearing other people's clothes for some reason. I think because I know how disgusting my own clothes are. <laughs> well, you're, you're just worried that people sweat as much as you do. Yeah, uh, that's probably it. All right, I'm going to go to my uh, second good thing. And I might as well... Uh, all right, I'll go with this one now. My third one's a little more tenuous, but this one, I'm, I'm, so I'm at, I'm speaking to you from Hohokam Stadium in lovely Mesa, Arizona, which is, I should say, completely gorgeous. Like, the, the Arizona spring training sites are all, uh, they're all very similar in that they're all a baseball field with sort of a small park around it, and they're mostly pretty new, and then everywhere you turn in the Phoenix area, uh, if there's a flat, it's it's so flat in the actual Phoenix like valley. They call it the Valley of the Sun. And then mm -hmm. on all sides there are big craggly mountains. So the effect is that all baseball all baseball fields here basically have these sweeping beautiful vistas of cool looking mountains, which is good. But that's not my thing that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Oakland A's. <laughs> uh, the, the, well, the Oakland A's, so the Oakland A's have this. I mean, that's a pretty good thing, but okay. It's definitely a good thing. Um, I could, I can't speak enough about how great spring, spring training in Arizona is. It's uh, if you, for whatever reason, don't have a baseball team, and because everybody who wants to go to spring training is going to go to their own team's spring training, but if you are between two teams or you don't have a specific team, I would definitely say go to Arizona for spring training. Everything's closer, never rains, uh, everything is super, like the, the prices of food and everything are always super cheap. Uh, it's a really cool place to be. Like This is like baseball heaven in March. And other than the fact that the games don't count and that you know seven innings deep, you're seeing a bunch of guys with no names on the back that you've never heard of. But for just checking out baseball stuff, for checking out spring training, this is where it's at. That's not my point. That's not my point. <laughs> uh, my point is that the Oakland A's have long had sort of a reputation, I think, but really dating back to Moneyball for being mm -hmm. like sort of the team that does things a little bit differently. And, mm -hmm. you know, when you and, – and they do have sort of some players on the team, especially Sean Doolittle, our closer, yep. who has been sort of like the outspoken, woke baseball bro and really the only one. Uh, and so I think it's more perception probably than reality, but you get the idea that – the A's are sort of like this alternative team to like traditional baseball culture. And yeah. in some ways that, that probably is true, right? Like they are doing things a little bit differently. They are due to their market, which isn't really about their market, it's about their ballpark. But um, because they are a low budget team, they tend to have to bring in sort of like baseball randos and use them in platoons and try to make it work and stuff like that. So they have like this sort of island of misfit toys feeling to them. 
and I go into the A's clubhouse, and, like, there's always just, every time you go into the A's clubhouse, there's, like, six dudes you've never seen before with awesome haircuts, which is the case this, <laughs> this year as well. And they were playing, they were playing Michael Jackson's Black or White, and, like, a bunch of guys were singing along to Michael Jackson's Black or White, which is just, like, I mean, and, and again, like, your, your, your perceptions, I feel like, uh, this is such a uh, it's such a broad topic that I don't even know where to begin. But you see so much in baseball about like clubhouse chemistry, what the clubhouse is like, how these guys yeah. are getting along. It's so I feel like that perception depends so much on like, and and I probably see this better than most people because my job calls for like one day in every different clubhouse basically throughout the spring, and how the clubhouse seems depends so much on, like, so many factors beyond, like, these clubhouse chemistry guys and, and how well they really like each other and stuff like that. And I think the music is a big one. Like, I was in the Dodgers room the other day, and for some reason the Dodgers were listening to, like, the saddest song I've ever heard. <laughs> and it just was, like, what were they listening to? I don't know. It was, like, it was like super low-key and, like, sad and mellow. And <laughs> there weren't a lot of guys around, and it was just, like, it was, like, Magic. It was like, and the Dodgers <laughs> oh, are gonna be great. Like the Dodgers are gonna win 95 games this year, and the main Dodgers guys weren't around. But the guys who were there, you're like, I just want to hug these guys. Like this must <laughs> suck so hard. And then like I, I, you know, and then you're in the Angels clubhouse and they're playing, they're playing Method Man. And you're like, oh, the Angels, yeah. this team can get down. These guys are cool. Like so. Uh, for whatever reason, just and like I'm not saying the A's are always listening to Michael Jackson's Black or White, but I will say that. A bunch of the guys in that clubhouse knew all the words because I could see them mouthing them along, <laughs> and it felt like just like the perfect, the perfect song. And it's like so like sort of cheerily upbeat and cheesy, and like for the team that you're thinking of as like here's like the new woke right. baseball club, it's right, just right. perfect. It's perfect. To to embrace that wasn't there a wasn't maybe it was a couple of seasons ago, but didn't somebody use that as their um, walk up song? Michael Jackson's Black or White. Probably, I, I would because say probably. I can't remember. I can't remember specifically what it was, but it was really funny because there was like some kind of racial component tied to it, and the use of that song I thought was was hilarious. Um, yeah, I, I like this image of the Oakland A's being able to like embrace their political correctness and their wokeness, but then also being able to have a lot of fun with it. Which you know, if you're going to play Michael Jackson's Black or White in in the clubhouse, then I think it's a good way to set that vibe. I love yeah, that. it it seems yeah. that way. Uh, it, it certainly I, I don't and I don't know. You know, like it, it it's I don't know that that was like an intentional song choice or anything like right. that. I think it's probably just coincidence, but it was certainly funny to me. And and also then like you go walk around and there's like this guy's painting his own shoes. Like that's cool. Like that's not something most baseball guys do. So um, so I got some photos of that. We'll we'll share that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Fun times. Fun oh times. wait, is it? Um, wait, I just had to Google it. Matt Kemp of the Los Angeles Dodgers changed it when he was singled out by Donald Sterling. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That is super awesome. Good I forgot. I forgot Kemp. about. I forgot about Matt Kemp's involvement in the Donald <laughs> Sterling thing. Uh, do you have? Uh, well, so now see. Typically, Hamill, I like to have the, I like to have the guest give me the last good thing, because I feel like it's only appropriate. But wait, wait, you've only done you've I've only done, done two. two, so I can go. Do, we'll we'll just go back to back twice. I know, I know. I'm sorry, I messed it up. But but my two good things like tied together that's because true. that's true. Well, so mine mine tie together as well, so that's fine. 
Okay. Um, and this is probably more personal to me than to most. But I will say my next good thing for, and final good thing, would be Phoenix area batting cage prices, which are <laughs> incredible. There's a, so in New York City, if you, and, and I love, um, going to the batting cage is, I, I mean, I, so because I still attempt in very sad forms to play baseball, there's like some usefulness to it going to the batting cage. Like I do feel like it makes me better in the crappy baseball game I play. And since hitting is like my one baseball skill, it's like something I like to keep polished. But more than that, I find it's like, it's not only like a, a pretty good workout, but also like an incredible uh, activity for just sort of like focusing the mind and, and like it's almost got like a, there's like a zen-like component to it, I think, because it's so <clears throat> rhythmic and it's the type of thing where if you try to hit the ball as hard as you possibly can, you're not, right? And then like if you sort of slow things down and take it easy and get into that rhythm, it's it's like almost uh it's it's like it's meditative yeah it's vaguely meditative is the word I was looking for like it, it has that um, if you don't have you know any other venue for meditation I guess and you're me and and how you experience everything is through the goggles of baseball the the batting cage is a is a really good way to sort of like convene with baseball in in that way and here in in Mesa actually not far from where I am. Uh, mm -hmm. And not terribly far from my hotel, there's a batting cage. It costs twelve dollars for a half hour in New York City. It costs thirty-eight dollars for a half hour in the what? batting cage. So New York City, it's like once a month I can afford to go hit in the batting cage. Here, we got thirty-eight dollars. That's a lot. Right. Right. And, yeah. And and that's and that's because there's there's and there are no options, right? And like in New York City, right. there's, there's no space, and you need some space, and so that's why. Um, and there's there's one on Randall's Island that I particularly like, which is a little bit cheaper. But uh, here, there's space is just not at the premium it is on the East Coast, and so mm -hmm. a lot more room for things like batting cages, a lot more options for batting cages. Also, because this is kind of a a baseball hotbed where people can play year round. But man, do I love being able to, for basically the same price as a day pass at the gym, instead go get my workout in by swinging in a cage for a half hour is super fun. Wait, so I need to back up on something you said for a minute because one, I've never been to a batting cage. <clears throat> you said you don't need to hit the ball as hard as possible. Is well, that... you want to hit the ball as hard as possible, but okay. trying to hit the ball as hard as possible Especially, and like I'm not, it's not like I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm in a good mood lately because I'm in spring training and having fun, but like if it gets to the point of the year and, and I'm in a bad mood, I love going to the bad, like I, I find, and like at times in my life where I have had like dark times and, and had a lot of stuff to sort out, those were also the times I hit the best because I spent so much time in the batting cage just sort of like working things out and you know again it's just like it's mostly about sort of calming everything down and not thinking about stuff um, and so that's what it is it's mostly like I, I will get in there and be like I gotta show off to the guy in the cage next to me how well I can hit and I'll try to take some big rips and I'll just miss or I'll foul it off and I'll look bad and it's like okay Ted like let's, let's calm down a little bit here see the ball barrel it up 
and I usually do. Like so, and that's that's like a it's a good. You start breathing. You, you know, like you get in. The, it's a very uh, because it's a machine. It's a very rhythmic thing. You know, so you you yeah. sort of get your rhythm going, and it's a, a again like a very meditative thing. Um, my I've never been to a batting cage. I very I I think. I maybe played like one game of softball like five years ago at a park, um, but my only like a popular culture illusion for batting cages is from the X Files, which I don't know if you're a fan of that show or not. I never, I never saw it. <clears throat> oh, you didn't? Oh man, because there's a great scene with Mulder and Scully like in a batting cage, and I'm like, oh, if if like all batting cage experiences are like this, that that would be awesome. Like I would love to go. Were there aliens? There's no aliens. They're just. It's just like a. It, it might be like. I, I don't think I'm messing it up. Um, it's like after the aliens have left or some shit. She is. Uh, he takes her to the batting cage to like help her. I think it's exactly what you're describing. Like help her like de-stress or something like that. Um, and it becomes a very sweet moment. Well, good. Yeah. I mean, that's. I yeah. mean, I don't have a lot of sweet moments at the batting cage. Mostly, it's like <laughs> it'll be like. Prolonged periods of frustration followed by like three minutes of being like, wow, I am dope at this. Uh, but it is definitely fun. I mean, it's like, I, I feel like it's like maybe a little bit embarrassing to be a baseball writer covering real baseball players traveling with my own baseball bat. Like, it's so dorky. But I like to have. My, like do the, you hit the ball every time, or do you whiff a couple of times? Um, no, usually. I mean, it depends on the speed. It, like, it depends okay. on. But like, I don't. I don't try to. I I don't. I don't. I mean, this is this is like overly technical and extremely nerdy. But like, first of all, the guys I'm throwing, I'm playing against, aren't throwing as hard as the hardest batting right. cage thing. Right. And besides that, like, I feel like for practice sense, like you're not really in there to simulate hitting real pitching. You're just kind of trying to, like, work out your swing and figure it out. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going in against the fastest cage, usually. And in that case, yeah. I mean, I, I, I would, like, maybe over the course of a half hour, there will be one where I swing and miss entirely. And there will be a few I fell off or fell back. And, and certainly tons I pop up or, you know, ground out weakly. But, no, I mean, I, I almost always hit it, at the very least. But it's not that hard. It's not that. It's, I mean, really, and like I'm not saying that to try to sound like I'm like I'm being uh, like it's a humble brag because it's not. I'm not humble. You know that. Uh, it's just. <laughs> it's not. It's not really. It seems overwhelming. And like you'll see people, especially when they get into the faster cage, like the first couple of times until you get the timing right, it is like a little bit scary. But really, it's so much about timing that if you can get the rhythm of it, of it it's it's not terribly hard. Oh, that sounds awesome, and I'm glad that it is not bankrupting you. Uh, no, it is not bankrupt. Uh, it is not bankrupting <laughs> me. It is not also not bank robbing me. Bank robbing is that what you're going to say? Uh, that was the word on the tip of my tongue. Okay. Uh, is it my turn? Um, it is your turn. One second, I gotta check something, um, which you just DM'd me about. <laughs> Uh, no, it looks right. like it. Uh, it looks like we don't have an ad read for this week. <laughs> Sorry, guys, we're we're still trying to figure some stuff out. Um, all right, well, I you know I want to make sure that we throw love to our sponsors when we need to throw love to our sponsors. So. Um, and we will soon. 
I'm going to be honest, it's entirely unclear if we have an head read this week or not. But I, I think <laughs> All right, we well, don't. if we do, then, then we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, all right, yeah, it, looks so like no. moving... it looks like no. I'm, I'm going to okay. say comfortably that it is no. <laughs> okay, good. We also have another episode on Friday, so if there's an ad read, we can do that in. Yes. Yeah. Uh, can we talk about... It's, so wait, wait. So, so the favorite things, you guys do it at the beginning of the week, so is it supposed to be like stuff that happened last week or just yeah, stuff that... Yeah, it's loose. It's loose. You can just... It's loose, right? Yeah, it's, we, you know, it's, just a, it's, just a, it's just an excuse to talk about random sports stuff, mostly. Okay. Um, that's that's the, how the sausage is made. <laughs> and, and I feel bad that really all I brought to the conversation was Sidney Crosby and Brad Marchand. But my third favorite thing, which should probably be my number one favorite thing, is, your is one. we're kind of backwards. Yeah, it is my number one. It is the viral video from last week of. Uh, the two kids interrupting their dad while he was giving a very serious interview on BBC, which is, I mean, I've watched it a million times, and it, it just so gets it just gets funnier and funnier and funnier. And everybody listening to this has seen the video, so I don't need to describe it for you because because you know what I'm talking about. And like so, like when you when you do like sketch comedy stuff, they tell talk about like heightening and the rule of threes are like two big things and if you pay attention to like Saturday Night Live and you pay attention to any sort of sketch comedy show that's right. that's always the case right it, it always gets a little bit more ridiculous every time and three is kind of the magic number and it works out so perfectly that like this guy's sitting there and like first the one kid comes like strutting in <laughs> and that's funny and then the baby comes in and that's like slightly funnier and then the wife comes I assume it's his wife comes flying around the corner like like so uh, and like and I think pulling her pants up a little bit too like it just um, yeah it's perfect it's a perfect video it really I mean it is because each of those things like it would have been funny had any of those three things happened just like the, or just like had a baby come in but she's like got her sippy class sippy glass and in the glasses and she's just like her moving her little butt while she struts in like no not a care in the world <laughs> it um i and like i i feel like you know i mean we're, we we do a podcast right like you've you've yeah, we been do in, i don't have kids we don't have kids but but like I've been in the situation where you're like doing something and and something else is happening in your house or like sometimes for me there was construction next door for a long time so like you'd be in the middle of the podcast and there'd just be this awful noise and <laughs> it's always hard to know how to play it but I would say that that guy and no disrespect to him because that's a tough spot that's a tough spot I would say he played it wrong right yeah. like once the yeah. kid comes and like maybe he didn't see what it looked like when the kid came strutting in but once the kid comes strutting in you pick her up and put her on your lap and be like, ah, my daughter decided to drop by, right? Just, like, have some fun with it because, but, yeah. like, clearly he was like, this is a serious interview. I'm a little nervous. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. What is she going to do? Uh, and so he tries to sort of, like, back her, like, gently back her off. Like, it wasn't like he was being forceful because he wouldn't want to be forceful with, like, your three-and-a-half-year-old daughter or whatever she must yeah. have been. Um, but like, just like the, the panic on that poor guy's face as he's trying to deal with it is so good. And that is really, my, my thing is that, you know, it's your first instinct as a parent probably, I don't know if you're on TV, it might be different though, but from the dads in, in our Slack discussion group, the takeaway was that you just got to pick that kid up. Like, they're not going to take no for an answer, and it's just going to make everything worse. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. I think that's exactly it. I think it's yeah. like, you just kind of... 
at that point. And I'm sure he'll know for next time, but, like, at that point, <laughs> you really just have to own it. Like, ah, I was doing a serious interview about, what was, what was the interview about? I only saw the clips. Uh, I, I think it was about North Korea, but I, yeah. I only think that from, <laughs> only because that's what was in the headline. Like, serious interview about North Korea interrupted by toddlers. <laughs> right, and, like, that's a particularly grave topic, I guess, to have. Yeah. But that, that's what makes it so good, and I love that, like, he had the books all set up, like, he, he clearly, like, laid it out, like, okay, like, this is Daddy's uh, TV interview room, please, guys, don't come in right now, like, you can't, Daddy has to work, and then, and, like, he, you know, he had it all set up looking professional, and then, like, everything just went to hell. <laughs> <laughs> I literally, I can't stop laughing about it just because it's probably the only thing that's made me smile for for like a week. So. Oh, that is bleak. No, you know what I mean. The state of the world being what it is. At least we can all find joy in uh, in interviews about North Korea gone awry. Yeah, those kids look pretty pretty great kids too, though. Just yeah, I want to sure. walk. I want to walk like that little girl walks. Just strut. And like, I hope ultimately that that's one of those things where it's like. Now this will be really good for that guy's career as a North Korea right. expert because everyone knows him as the guy whose kids walked in. That's pretty great. Right? Like, if he has a sense of humor about it, he will next time do his North Korea interview with, like, both those kids on his lap. <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, that's, that's, my last, uh, that's my last thing. All right, well, that's a good last thing. Um, I'm here. I'm going to go watch the A's play some spring training baseball. And nice. you will continue, I suspect, being cold? Is that what's going on in the Northeast? Cold and wet and, and eager for some sunshine. Yeah, we're looking at like 95 today in Phoenix, which is a little too hot. But uh, it's, it's, I think it beats the alternative. Yeah, the alternative is just being pelted with bits of sleet and, and ice. It's not even proper snow anymore, so... It's like gross you lucked out. snow gravy that comes from there. Yeah, it's, that's no good. This is, they, don't, they don't have precipitation here. It's just not a thing. God, lucky you guys. All right, well, you can check out the For the Win podcast on iTunes. Subscribe, rate us, review us. Check us out on Stitcher, on SoundCloud just about everywhere, plus posts on ftw.usatoday.com. Uh, Hemel writes there. I write there. We're both on Twitter, Facebook, etc. Check it out, and thanks for listening. And Hemel, again, thanks for, uh, thanks for your first Favorite Things Early Week podcast. Yeah, awesome. Have, have fun in Arizona. Peace out.